Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au How good is it? How good is it just to worship our God? Amen. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, not many people like to worship. Then, how good is it to worship our God, Church? Yeah. Amen. Together, it's um, it's a powerful thing. And we're going through obviously this um, different season, this strange season, this 2020. What a weird year it's been, right? And right at the start, when we had our uh, restrictions in place, we've been pretty safe here in Adelaide compared to some other places around the world but you know when we're going through those restrictions and we weren't able to gather together and it was only a short time for us but that time the thing that I missed most was just getting together with you guys getting together with God's people and worshipping you know we heard the word we we worshipped kind of on the screen you remember it was still weird it was weird for me playing the piano and singing I was like where is everybody right Uh, being with God's people something happens something happens when we gather and we worship there's something powerful Pastor always says it something always happens and that's something I want to speak to you about this morning what happens when God's people gather together Um, it's such a powerful thing we cannot take this for granted this time. Um, don't think it's just another part of the service. Don't just think it's a routine that we have to do just to fill some time on a on a Sunday service. We need to fill the you know a half hour block, you know, 10:30 to 11. Oh, what do we do? We'll just sing some songs. No, we do that because it's worship to our God. And that is probably the most powerful time when God can move by His presence. Amen. So uh, it's something that I want to speak to you about this morning. It's about true worship the Father seeks. True worship the Father seeks. Why don't we pray before we open the Word. Father, we just come before you, before we approach this message, this Word. We pray that you would speak to us by your Spirit. God, some of us have come in broken. Some of us have come into this place rushed. Had a fight in the car. We're getting in this place. Whatever it might be, God, but we're here and we want to hear from you. We want you to speak. We want you to move. God, this is your time. This is all about you. Let our hearts be prepared. Um, let the seed of your word fall on good soil here this morning and let it grow good fruit, we pray. Let us leave this place changed, being history makers to go out into the world and to speak your truth, your gospel. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, so what happens when we get together and worship? What are the, what's the true worship the Father seeks? Um, in John chapter 4, Verses 1 to 24. We're just going to read this um, passage together. It should be on the screen. Some of you know this story quite well. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he uh, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar 
near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. That actually has a lot, that, that, that's a lot of history there. The Samaritans and the Jew, Jews didn't really talk to each other. They didn't get on well with one another. So how can you ask me for a drink for Jews to, oh, there you go, for Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank for it, from it himself, as, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. We're almost there, church. Listen up. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you, you, have, you now have is not your husband. What, what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and an and now has come, and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth amen we all desire to worship something there's this innate pull or this desire within all of us to worship something we were created to worship People will probably deny that they are a worshipper. They'll say, nah, I don't worship anything. I don't even believe there is a God, so I don't worship anything. But if you are placing value on something, if you place value in something or someone, if you spend most of your time thinking about it, if you spend most of your money on something, if you struggle to live without a certain thing or a person, a pleasure or whatever it is, you are a worshipper. You worship that. The, the true definition of worship, it's really difficult to really um, uh, hone in on a definition of what worship really is. But worship is our response. A basic definition of worship is that it's our response to whatever we value the most. You see, worship is the activity of the human soul. So not only do we worship, but it's what we do all the time. It means it's, it's not just a Sunday morning thingy that we gather and that's when, you know, we have a worship time. It happens every day in our lives. 
And you can find out what people value most by kind of doing, follow their trail, their yellow brick road to what's sitting on their throne kind of thing, right? You, you look at where do they spend the most time, where, what money, like what do they spend the most money on, what do they give the most affection towards, where's their energy going? Is their energy going into their career or the kingdom of God or their family? Where's their loyalty at? If you trace that trail, you can track it. And you can find out what's sitting on the throne at the end of it. That is what people or someone will worship. Um, people don't willingly say, I worship my stuff. I worship, you know, my money, my career, my PlayStation, my family. I worship my body or myself. People won't just, you know, outwardly say that. But just look at that trail, trace it. And it reveals the truth because our actions actually speak louder than our words. If we're not saying, oh, yeah, I worship this, doesn't matter. Our actions will tell us what we worship. Now, here's the good part. To worship God is a response as well. When we worship God, it's a response to His character. It's a response to His holiness, His goodness, His faithfulness, His grace, His love and His mercy towards us. It's our response. And when we respond with devotion and affection and love, we show love towards God. That is true worship. It's our response to what He's done for us. Church, this is true of worship. Whatever we worship, we will become like. Whatever is at the end of that trail that I said, the end of that track, what's sitting on that throne is what we will become like, yeah? If someone's putting so much time into you know, going to a certain place or studying something called their career or whatever it might be, whatever's sitting on that throne, they're going to eventually become like that. And it's true of the Christian or the believer. When we worship God, if God is sitting on the throne of our heart, if He reigns in our life, if He is Lord of our lives, we will become more and more like Jesus. Amen. When we worship the Lord, when we give our affection, our, our time, our, our focus to Jesus, we will become more and more like Him. If the enemy can get us to stop worshipping God, he knows that he's won. That's his goal. He knows how important giving glory to God is. He was the first one to experience what happens when you don't worship God. He fell like a flash of lightning out of God's presence. He stopped worshipping God. And wanted the worship for himself. Pastor Joe preached about this a couple of weeks ago. About pride. About how when we go before God, it must be with humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And, and what happened to the enemy, he experienced that. And what his target for you is, what his scheme for you is, for you to stop worshipping God. For you to not come into this place with your hands lifted, shouting praises unto God. But just to stand there still in maybe fear or whatever it is that's holding you back and he's got he will win if he knows that he could stop you from worshiping God worship doesn't fix our problems but it fixes our attention on the on the problem solver 
It doesn't fix our problems. We think sometimes we can come into a worship service and we think, oh yeah, if I'm just worshiping, oh God, you're going to fix everything. Sometimes that's not, he will step in. It will be his will that is done, his perfect will that is done. But we can't expect, oh yeah, I'm just going to worship him during this time. That's my problem solved. No, but what it does is it fixes our attention on Jesus, the problem solver. Amen. And that's, where, that's what worship is all about. Worship is not about fixing the problems in your life. Worship is about God. It's all about just giving God the glory that He, he uh, deserves, that He is worthy for. So what's true worship? I've got three points that we want to get through quickly. True worship begins at the cross. Write this down if you're taking notes. True worship begins at the cross. The cross was God's idea. It was God's redemptive plan to save us as sinners, to open the door. It was the only way that it was the plan that allowed us as rebels to be able to come and worship a holy God. It was the cross. One of the reasons Jesus died on the cross is so that we could be reconnected to God and awaken us to centering our worship on who And what matters most for eternity? Jesus died upon the cross so that our worship could go back and be reconnected to who and what matters most. And that is God, the Father. It's what we place value in. What do we place most of our time in, most of our money? What do we spend most most of our thinking on? That's why... The birthplace of true worship comes first from the grace of God, meaning he sought us first. He was the one seeking us. Look at John 4. We just read it. The true worshipers that the Father is seeking. He's looking for true worshipers. He's seeking you out, church. That is where worship starts, at the cross Going back to the text, Jesus is having this conversation with a Samaritan woman and um, the Samaritan woman brings the, uh, sorry, the Samaritan woman, so he brings the Samaritan woman to a, an awareness of what's going on in her life, or awareness of the sin or this problem that's in her life. Hey, yeah, you've, you've got many husbands, don't you? Or you've had many husbands. And she's like, she, she, uh, there's this awareness of what's going on and that, that what needs to change. You were right when you say you have had you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Why was Jesus showing her that there was a sin problem in her life? Was it to put her down? Was it to condemn her? No, it was so she would turn from that life and live a life that she was created for. Live for the ultimate purpose, the ultimate reason why we exist, and that is to worship God. She was living one way, and this is why it's the same for us as believers. The Holy Spirit, through the Word, does the same to us. He leads us to the cross to repentance at the cross so that we can become more and more like Jesus as we worship Him. Are you losing your passion to worship God? Get a vision of the sacrifice Jesus paid upon the cross. Let me ask you this question, church. Is the cross alone enough to move you to worship God? Is the price Jesus paid worth it? Sometimes we think, I'm just not motivated to worship. I just can't give God enough. I don't feel passionate enough. Is the cross enough? 
Is the price that Jesus paid enough to motivate you to say, thank you, Lord. God, you've given everything to me, so I'm going to give everything back to you. That's why it describes in Revelation about the angels that are forever crying out, worthy is the lamb seated on the throne. Worthy. It's he, he is worth. He is worth it, church. So that's why we worship. If you think you lack something to thank him for or to, to worship him for or to show love for God, just remember the cross. We sang about it today. Remember that our God never fails us. Remember that he, he put his son on a cross for you to make a way for us to just worship Him. Point number two is true worship doesn't focus on the outward place, but the inner soul. When we look at the text in uh, verse 20, they're having the discussion and, and Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. She's talking about the Samaritans, the mountain that they worshipped on. And they weren't truly worshipping God there. They had other gods that they were actually worshipping at the same time. So our, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Her focus was on the external place of worship. But the focus of worship needs to be about the inner soul. See, there's, there's plenty of different styles of worship, many forms of worship. We, we can worship by sitting, by standing, by singing loudly, which you probably would have heard me at the front. I sing very loudly. I don't sing, actually. I just shout during the worship service. Anybody else do that? I like to just shout because I'm just passionate about worshiping our God. Some can sing a bit quieter. That's okay. Some sing uh, loudly and their hands lifted and we get a bit boisterous in our worship. And there's many different forms. We can worship with our serving. We worship as we serve our God here on a Sunday. If you're involved in a different ministry area, that's, that's worship unto God. Um, when we take communion together, that is worship unto God as well. But here's the thing. When we place the importance on worship, of worship on the external forms or the external modes of worship, we are in danger of becoming religious. Worship must be from an internal response to God's glory or His worthiness. If we think we can impress God with our music, with you know the, the cup that we take or the bread that we eat with our communion, with fancy words of prayer, then we've totally misunderstood what worship is. And if impressing God is our position on worship, that's when the passion to worship God, it starts to fizzle out. Because when the external things, when our focus is there and things don't go right, or the music's a little off, the sound's a little off there, and we think, oh, something's just not right here, or they chose that song again, can't believe it. When our focus is on there, our worship's going to fizzle out. Because I tell you what, if you want perfect music, go somewhere else. This is not a perfect place for music, or we don't do perfect things, but we just worship a perfect God. So it's not about the external modes or the external forms of worship, but it's what's going on in our heart. With that mindset, with that external mindset, we start putting the focus on the song list or the look on the stage or, you know, the way in which we partake communion. Well, this church only drinks from one cup and we've got these new cups that make a lot of noise. And when you open it, you know, what is that? Is that bread? Is that a wafer? What is this? You know, oh, you know, that church does it better or, you know, we're singing this song here is, you know, and we, we put so much focus on the external and, and we lose the main 
main reason of why we're worshipping in the first place, and that is God. The purpose of worship is to please God, not impress Him. God is pleased when we show our affection, devotion, and love towards Him. God is just pleased when we come before Him with a broken and contrite heart. I'm going to speak about that in a second. Charles Spurgeon says this, Let there be good music by all means and noble words, for these are congruous to noble thoughts. But oh, let the thoughts be there. Let the song be there. Let the flames of love burn on the altar of the heart. Be the outward expression what it may. Let the praise be winged by the zealous affections of the soul. Meaning what's going on in here matters more than what's happening out here. Otherwise, far from you be the thought that you have worshipped God when you have used solemn words with thoughtless hearts. Some of my best experiences with God, my worship is just when I, I, I love to just take a walk sometimes, just chuck on some worship music and just walk at night and you just, you know, gaze at the skies and you think, oh God, how marvelous is your creation. And I'm just worshiping. I'm hearing this awesome song and I'm, and I'm, I'm you know, just connecting with God. And, you know, it's an amazing time of worship. It's, it's just coming from my heart. It's raw. It's authentic. I'm just like, God, this is who I am. I've got all of this stuff going on, but I'm just going to worship you. And there's such powerful times of, of worship. And, and sometimes I come into this place and my focus is on the external instead of, what I can give to God. Does that mean we don't come and congregate and, and get together to worship? No, it's actually the opposite. It means when, when we come together, my personal devotion, my personal time of worship is celebrated. It's magnified as we get together because every single one of you, well, all of us should be having this devotion time with God during the week. And when we get together, it's just magnified and we rejoice together and we feel the presence of God. And it's a powerful time in His presence. Um, God loves to show up in places of worship. He doesn't show up at 245 Angus Street on a Sunday morning because it's in his diary and because this is the special building. He shows up when his people call on him to come by his presence. And he shows up time and time again because he promised it. Where two or three are gathered together, I'm going to be there. He promised it, church. And it's not that he's going to be in these four walls because you've heard many times on a Saturday, this is quite empty. It's quite bare. Nothing's happening here. It's actually quite dark and dull in here. But when the people of God come into this place and we're expecting His presence and we call upon Him, the presence of the Lord comes and our lives are changed. Come on church, this is true worship. It's not the outward expression. Don't focus so much on getting the, the right music or the right you know way we take communion. As long as it's giving glory to God, that's all that matters, that it comes from our inner soul, that our inner soul is crying out His his name, that we come and worship the King. You know, we, we often underestimate how important our role here is at church during this time of worship. What I mean is that you are part of the body of Christ. Every part of the body has a role in worship. We, we put so much pressure on the worship leader, the worship team. You know, we say, oh, I hope Luke brings it today. He better sing that song well or there's not going to be good worship. Luke, 
there's a lot of pressure on you. Jezza, you better sing that song well. We put so much pressure on the music team. We put so much pressure to like say, okay, lead us into worship. I wonder what worship they're going to bring today. I mean, we don't always say, say that out loud to each other. Well, some of us do, but we don't always say we keep it to ourselves. But sometimes we put so much emphasis on the team and the leader to bring us to this spiritual experience when it's really about the posture of worship that we enter in with. It's really about how we gather. What worship will you bring on a Sunday church? What will you bring? How are you going to lead us into worship together? Amen. Come on, let's not emphasize the external, but what's happening on the inside. As a music team, we get these notifications now. We use this app and, you know, it tells us when we're rostered on to worship. And some of us press accept, some of us don't. That's me. I'm, I'm a bit slack in that. But we're meant to press accept if we're, if we're able to worship on that Sunday, if we're able to lead worship on that Sunday. And I, and I just looked at that. I'm thinking, this is for all of us as a congregation member. That, that's not what happens. I know we're registering for church, but when you come into this place, God's not up there texting you saying, hey, um, are you available to worship me today? Do you have any spare time to come and worship? I need you to fill a seat just to lift your hands and sing. God's not up there. He's not using planning center to say, hey, uh, can you accept this to worship me? He's not asking you to worship him. He desires it because he knows when we worship him, our lives are changed from it. We are rostered on every single week, church. We're rostered on. Yes, we might come in, you know, broken. We might come in just having, you know, like I prayed before, like a, a fight with our spouse or our children in the car. It often happens. It happens in my family. Don't worry. Yes, we're coming in rushed and our, our time schedules are, are packed and we're just making it. We're just kind of tripping over the line to get in, but we've made it in this place. And if we've made it here, it's because we're going to worship our God. Come on, leave your problems at the door, church. When we enter this place, the the inner soul starts to feel that urge to desire the Lord who is alive in our hearts. Come on, mom, dad, grandparent, parent, let's emphasize, let's put the, the top of our time schedule for our kids, for our families to get into church to worship Him. It should be at the top in our diaries. It should be week in, week out. Yeah, well, look, uh, you know, my kids, they need to get better at this skill or this sport and stuff. Yes, that's true. But if it's getting in the way of their worship of God, what matters the most? What, va what value do we place? What's at the, the throne of our trail? That trail that I was talking about, what's sitting on the throne? Is it our Father? Do we want our families to be worshippers, true worshippers that the Father seeks? I know it's hard to hear, but it's the truth, church. Yeah, but I can worship him in my heart at home. You sure can. But if that worship was true worship, it would compel you to wanting to come into the house of God. You're going to be there on a Thursday or on a Friday at work, and you're like, come on, get me into that house because I can't wait to worship. Who's leading today? Oh, Pastor Joe's just playing an acoustic. He can't even play. Beautiful. I'm going to worship none. I'm going to worship the Son. I'm going to worship more. I'm going to help him out because he's going to need it if he's playing guitar. You become like what you worship. And if we're in God's presence, in God's house, we're going to become more and more like Jesus. Last point, true worshipers are filled with the Spirit and abide in truth. The kind of worshipers God is looking for are those who will worship Him as their Father in spirit and in truth. To worship God in spirit requires that we 
be alive on the inside, experiencing the life he gives by spiritual birth. Without his life, you can never truly worship God. Let me say that again, church. We've got to be alive on the inside. We've, we sang about it this, mo- this morning. Awaken my soul. Awaken my heart to praise the Lord. If we're not alive spiritually, then that's where the worship struggles. That's where we're restrained. We're restricted in our worship. That's why it begins with a pursuit of God. Not us pursuing him, but that he first pursued us. And he did that by sending his son to die upon the cross. The cross connects us to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which permits us to worship. And it's now that our souls are awakened that we find out why it's so amazing that we get to worship him. We don't have to, but we get to worship the one true God, the almighty God. It's the Holy Spirit living within us that leads us to a place of worship. Feeding the Spirit will draw this worship out of us. Quenching the Spirit will withdraw us. Jesus says to the woman at the world, believe me. For her to put her trust in Him. It didn't matter whether she was a Samaritan or a Jew. What matters was that she put her faith in Jesus. Jesus being the truth. She now went on to worship him. Church, some of us walk into this place and you think, there's just so much happening in my life. I can't lift up my hands when I get into this place. Worship is, has nothing to do with us. It's all about God. It's all about who we worship, what we value the most. Now, what do I mean by that? Can we just live any type of life we want outside of uh, church, outside of these walls and just be, you know, totally ungodly and not following the Word? Of course not. We know that it's, it's a pursuit of God's Word, of His holiness, of becoming more and more like Christ. But church, if we worship Him, we will become like Him. And how do we enter I love this verse, Psalm 51. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. What's the purpose of this message today? It's simply to say that we need to get back to what we were created for. The reason why we were put on this earth to worship Him, church. Like I preached before, that can come in many different forms, different outward expressions. But what I'm speaking into this morning and what God is most concerned about is whether your heart is inwardly beating. It's alive. Is it alive with the Spirit? Is it abiding in the truth? God doesn't need your worship, but He does desire it. And He knows that He is ultimately worthy of all glory. He deserves the worship, not because He's some kind of egotistical maniac who just thinks about Himself. He, he glorifies, He deserves all the glory. It's who He is. He doesn't need all the glory for Himself, but it's because who He is, that's why we worship. If we don't worship Him, we will end up worshipping something else. And whatever we worship is what we will become like. And he knows if we and he knows if we worshiped him, we will become like his son. We will go back to our initial purpose, and that's just to have a relationship with him. Come on, why don't we stand together? 
before we before we worship, we're gonna. That's why I just left a couple of minutes just to worship our God with one chorus. Why don't we just get our hearts right with God now? Just if if you feel comfortable, just to close your eyes. Maybe to just lift your hands. And we're just going to have a time of worship right now. We're just going to spend some time in His presence. But I hope this has blessed you and has encouraged you just to point your attention to who it is that is sitting on our throne. And that is the Father. Come on, let's worship Him.